0: This is a Rooster Teeth production. Okay, Charles. Yes. So we all know the Techno Syndrome Mortal Kombat theme song recorded by the Immortals, released you know uh, back in the '90s. You know, we all know that song. Yeah. But let's imagine a world where, like James Bond esque, we kind of okay. get like a new theme song for Mortal Kombat, like with uh, a new artist. Mm-hmm. Dream artist does the theme song for the new mortal Kombat movie that is catered to charles's tastes who is it is it so wait is this um is this
1: an, an artist doing a cover of the classic song or is it just like a new song
0: i think it's a new song it's like someone's like hey so and so we want you to make the new shit who who do you give the new shit to charles Ooh, okay. so like
1: I love this question because I feel like this is something that franchises need to do more often. I'm of the firm opinion, right, that when you're going to do anything based on like a classic property, you got to work the original music into it somehow. So I'm thinking it needs to be an interpolation of the main theme, right, which I'm not sure has any lyrics besides Mortal Kombat. But yeah, test your mites in there a few times. The obvious, most obvious pick for this is Megan Thee Stallion. Not just because she's hot right now, but just because like her nerd cred runs so deep, yeah. so deep. And I mean, like everyone's like, oh, we want like an accurate Melina. I guarantee like Megan Thee Stallion is the exact kind of person to bring a Melina aesthetic to, um, you know, the tie in music video for this song. It will work. It would, it, it would be the best possible commercial for the movie you could possibly imagine.
0: One of these weeks I'm going to stump you and you're going to have a bad answer, but it's not this week. That was a good answer and now we can do the show.
1: (laughs) Welcome to The Real Canon, a new pod about the genre pop culture we all live, breathe, and help make happen in real time. I'm Charles William Moore, writer for Aisle 9 and really someone who does not condone violence.
0: <laughs> and I'm John Reisinger, <laughs> content creator and producer for Rooster Teeth Productions and someone who did not grow up in a Sega Genesis home. Uh today we are talking all about Mortal Kombat. You know, weirdly
1: enough, I did grow up in a Genesis home, but I also did not play a lot of Mortal Kombat. But that is what we're talking about today. Not specifically about any one piece of Mortal Kombat, but more sort of the history of the franchise as a whole, um, which is about to be back in a really big way this summer with Warner Brothers upcoming cinematic reboot. Um, It's just called Mortal Kombat and it's, you know, Mortal Kombat for a new age. Um, Ahead of this reboot, we wanted to look back at Mortal Kombat's history, both in games and films and TV shows to discuss what it is about this franchise that keeps people coming back from more and more but before that we're rolling into cannon fodder our quick news segment breaking down some of the most interesting entertainment stories that have come across our desk
0: and we've actually heard from you guys the the listeners uh that uh you guys want us to spend even more time talking about the meat of the show so this week we're, we're limiting cannon fodder to one news article and it's one that you found charles
1: yeah, so we, I, it's it's, it's interesting. start started with one article, but it's kind of about a larger conversation that we've been having uh, related to Zack Snyder's um, Justice League. Um, Pretty recently, David Ayer um, sort of popped out of the woodwork amidst all of the new calls for uh, a restoration of the entire Snyderverse beyond just the new film that dropped on HBO Max. Um, And while it was really expected that uh, Zack Snyder and some of his fans might sort of really be pushing for more of the film that wasn't in this director's cut, um. What was also I don't I don't know if it was a surprise, but suddenly David Ayer is out speaking to whether or not he wants um, another cut of the Suicide Squad. Um, while this in, its, in and of itself isn't really newsworthy, what was really interesting is the way that Warner Brothers has come out since uh, the Snyder Cuts release to really make it clear that this was a one and done thing, right? That this was supposed to bring Zack Snyder's vision to an end in a way that the studio never intended to. The intention was never to spend 70 million more dollars to get this thing finished a few years later and release it as a four hour movie. It just so happens that the footage was there, there is a new streaming platform, and there's a plague that. That's been keeping people inside so things <laughs> happen to you know the stars aligned in a very particular sort of way to lead to that film's release but the studio clearly isn't interested in just replicating this in the future which i think is the right move you know
0: the david Ayer response i was surprised by it because i actually don't believe there's a chance there's a good suicide cut um i could be wrong i totally could be wrong um i felt like that movie had I don't know. I I can get I don't want to get in a suicide cut in my opinions on suicide cut. Uh, suicide a uh, a uh, squad. Um but um I was surprised by like people like uh the rock coming out and being like also a uh restore the Snyderverse kind of person. He's got hmm. Black Adam coming out and he's right. there's been articles not only about um people saying that he's talking to Warner to try to get them to restore it but he's even like approached henry cavill because he really wants to have a movie with henry cavill uh, as superman and so like there's backing behind this movement that i didn't think was going to be happening and i'm with you where i i i'm you know i liked snyder's justice league it was, i liked it i'm just gonna yeah. say that but i'm very 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 scared and cautious about continuing this path of giving fandom too much ownership of the media, particularly
1: when it comes, you know, when decisions like these come at the tail ends of, you know, rather long harassment campaigns, things that seem like they're rooted in good faith, but end up not being your point about like other celebrities sort of hopping on the bandwagon. I mean, that is another facet of this conversation, right? Because that's a different kind of business. That's like, all right, like, what is my future within this franchise? And from like a business person's perspective, I can totally understand you know, where that, uh, where that energy comes from. Zack Snyder has all of this new goodwill behind his vision for characters within the DC universe. And, you know, you as an actor would be remiss in not wanting to have that same kind of treatment for your character.
0: It's literally your business. It's your business. Right,
1: that's your, that's your job to make sure that you look great doing what you do on screen. Um, but you know, the thing to keep in mind is I don't think that people should get stuck in the idea that Zack Snyder is the only person capable of bringing good movies to DC. Um, we've seen that that's not the case, right? We, we know that Shazam is actually a really great film. And interestingly, I mean, like regardless of whether or not black Adam ever ends up fighting with Superman, I do think that if, you know, if the studio is really smart about it, the showdown between Black Adam and Shazam could be something really fascinating, right? There is all of that potential still exists within a lot of these properties and doesn't necessarily need the Snyder treatment in order to ensure success. But, you know, you look at things, you look at the way that this is played out, and I can understand why, I, I can understand why from a fan's perspective, it's like more of this, more of this. But it's like, that's not, I don't think that that's exactly a good instinct to follow. At least it would not be from the studio's perspective.
0: I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a very narrow perspective at what can be a good movie experience and it also you touched on it it also has the potential and has actually not just the potential but it actually has has caused you know toxic outcomes to come from these fans who think that uh their version of this you know these ips and these characters and these franchises is the correct one and that's and that's a very problematic view to have on a shared experience that's what we're talking about with this show in general about the shared canon of everything mm-hmm. and when you give especially on the internet you give a very vocal um group of people whether they be the majority or even in most cases i i find the minority um that much sway then you are not making decisions based off of like a broader you know international or global perspective. But you're making decisions based off of, you know, a small group of people, which that's I don't think that's how good art comes out. Mm. Before we pivot to the bulk of the show talking about Mortal Kombat, I do want to push back on
1: that and just say there is something, you know, there is value in listening to feedback from the audience, right? Um, if yeah, there's anything to take away from fandom in general about the way that. Um, these companies have developed new IP and sort of given them new prominence, it's that the companies are the very least, they have heard that people do want to see uh, a broader and more diverse array of characters in fictional media, right? And that sort, yes. of, that sort of institutional change as a result of people speaking out and being like, wow, well, why can't there be a black Spider-Man? I think that that's a good thing. And that's sort of a representation of like the healthy balance that can exist between um, the owners of the IP and the people who consume yeah. it. The dangerous thing is when people decide to Build a cult of personality and really sort of say, "Oh, this thing that we know was not good. It deserves another chance because you robbed him." And it's like, "Well, that's not really how this industry works exactly." Capitulating to that feels a part of a slightly different energy that's sourced to the same place.
0: Yeah, I guess the better exp- the better way to explain maybe where my feelings come from is that I think there has to be balance mm-hmm. and um i think a good balance is what you're you're ex- expressing where you know people are challenging the industry to um uh you know g- go different routes that they might not have thought to go like you're talking about like a black spider-man go go with the black spider-man that kind of thing yeah. but then if you're completely relying on the fandom to be your guiding tool then um you know you've got people out there that are going to come up with um not the right course for you to take your franchise and that kind of thing. There's value sometimes in like making what the audience needs and not necessarily what some of the audience is asking for. Yeah. I mean, you talking
1: about all of this balance really has my mind immediately drifting to the dimensional balance between Earth Realm and Other (laughs) Realm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good segue. Let's go to the state of the canon. I want to I want to talk about Mortal Kombat, but I, but but this question that's in my brain is what I want to focus, hopefully, a lot of this episode on is the question of why, just like simply, why do we still, why do people still like Mortal Kombat, and why is it still coming back with a rebooted film after 29 years of being part of the culture? Because Mortal Kombat, just like as a game and even as the movie franchise itself, is is interesting because I I don't think there's any one particular reason why it has maintained i don't know for like a better word relevancy mm. uh, but it it it, it begs the, the question of a lot of reasons of like why did why is mortal Kombat the the video game that everyone is is hot about and not some other video game or some other fighting game like why is mortal Kombat so popular that it just continues to stay in the ethos
1: Right. I mean, I think a, like a solid place for us to start with this is I want to ask you, like, what was your first experience with Mortal Kombat? When did you first encounter it? Do you remember?
0: Yeah. I mean, it it, it was specifically at my friend's house. Um, like I said in, in the intro, we were a Nintendo family. And so uh, I didn't have access to Sega games or PlayStation games even. Um, my first PlayStation was PlayStation 2 that I bought in college. And uh, yep, I'm that old. And uh, <laughs> so... I played at a friend's house and he had the game and that was the only way I ever was able to play it was the rare occasions that I went to his house. Um I definitely would it would never have been a game that in my very like conservative religious home my parents would have like provided for me.
1: Yeah, I I don't remember exactly when I first like I remember, I remember knowing that street, not grassy, I immediately, I wanted to call it Street Fighter. I remember knowing that you could get Mortal Kombat to play at home, but it wasn't until like I saw a Mortal Kombat arcade game outside of my house that it really kind of like kicked in for whatever reason. The two need both needed to exist in my mind for me to recognize that Mortal Kombat was a thing. Um, I had a Genesis. The only game I ever had for it was the Power Rangers movie game, um, which wildly enough, like, released that same year that the Mortal Kombat movie came out. So I figured, like, I was just a little bit too young to have really been, you know, prime to latch on to it. But growing up, I just do remember, goodness, like, Mortal Kombat was an ever-present thing. You know, it's what people talked about on the playground. It's what people tried to act out. Like, I, I distinctly remember not knowing what the fatalities were, but very much participating in the execution of fake fatalities on the playground. Like, it's just what you do. You're 20, <laughs> you know, It's what, it's what you do. And it's just sort of that, that blended in with, you know, your regular recess Power Rangers play. But that, like, Mortal Kombat, weirdly enough, is this presence in a lot of people, like a lot of 90s kids' minds, um, where it's kind of like... At every point in which there's like a major console release, Mortal Kombat was always there sort of being one of the big names that people were latched on to. And goodness, like just in preparation for this, I tried to like put myself in the mindset of someone who was really ready to get sucked into Mortal Kombat hype in 1995. Mm -hmm. Um, Just just sort of like going back to like watch the movie. I'm like, well, what is it that made people really hot for this? Um, You know, what is it that really set? Mortal Kombat apart from fighting games of the time, because Mortal Kombat, you know, it was not the first fighting game. Um, It wasn't exactly it it was, you know, it was rather unique in the degree of gore that it, you know, that it featured. But in terms of gameplay story, it wasn't exactly doing a lot of things that other fighting games hadn't. But it was something about the specific mix and the time that the arcade games dropped um, with that quick follow up on home consoles on the Genesis that really made it, like, cement with people. And I think a lot of it did have to do with just, like, the pure novelty of all of the various elements of Mortal Kombat that, you know, you could see in other games, but the game was just doing differently.
0: Yeah, the, 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 the game set itself apart in some interesting ways from that franchise, like, apart from, like, Street Fighter, in that it used this very unique-looking hyper... real Not <laughs> hyper at the time. Hyper-realistic uh, kind of visual style where it actually, like, they recorded people and then digitize the people so that the characters in the game very much looked like, you know, real individuals. Um, and in fact, there's some great... I'll try to find it and post it on our social. Someone found, like, the old footage of them recording those actors doing the moves that mm. they then, you know, used to, like, basically rotoscope and create the, the, the sprites in the game. Um, and then, I mean, the fatalities, I mean, they're 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 the mortal Kombat thing you know it there was no finish him in street fighter or in even in like tekken or something like that i mean it was the the fatalities was the the cherry on top of the the games you would play and then on top of that not only was it fun for the game gamers at the time to do that but then it created mortal Kombat's like a free marketing campaign where a bunch of uh you know concerned mamas were like (laughs) oh no my babies can't see all this gore in a video game ban the video game Well, what happens when you ban something that that kids like like they're just gonna be like loving it more and it's gonna gain popularity
1: right and it's even not necessarily it doesn't even need to be you know a banning it's just that sort of like there is an allure to something that's identified as being the dangerous thing despite the fact that if no one had paid attention to mortal well something like mortal Kombat, like it surely would have picked on you know it would have picked up a it's fair amount like of fans but there's a pretty strong argument to be made that it wouldn't have been nearly the phenomenon that it is if people hadn't sort of inadvertently hyped it up to be a gore fest
0: yeah i mean it it, the Mortal Kombat, I think, one has has kind of almost kind of sort of beat the the fighting game wars in 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 some ways. Again, I'm not like a diehard fighting How game mean? person. Well, like um Mortal Kombat, uh, you know, it, got, it had its own feature film, and so did Street Fighter. But Mortal Kombat's film was a crazy success. Um, we looked up the numbers and it was like a like eighteen million dollar budget and made back like hundred and twenty-four million dollars. Right. So you're talking about Paul W. S. Anderson's Mortal Kombat? Yeah, the nineteen ninety-five one. Yeah. Uh and and then enough where it got a sequel and we when the sequel's questionable at best, but uh it's also like we're now seeing a Mortal Kombat reboot right now. We ain't seeing a Street Fighter reboot. You know, no one's even talking about a Street Fighter reboot or anything like that. And so there was there was like longevity to mortal Kombat that other fighting games like street fighter never accomplished not being not saying street fighter isn't popular it's crazy popular in the world it's that it lives in in the esports realm and everything like that um but in the broader like cultural sense um i don't know i think mortal Kombat kind of has 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 trumped it a little bit So there's a couple of things. I mean, I think there are, like you said
1: before, there are a couple of different reasons as to why Mortal Kombat has enjoyed that specific kind of longevity that it has, where it never really fades all that far away from the public consciousness. Even if there isn't a new Mortal Kombat thing, you can just make a Mortal Kombat joke and people know what it is. Whereas like you could you could reference Dead or Alive and people might not know what you're talking about. Yep. Especially like an American market very much so. Um I think that the game like the role that the original ports for the arcade game played in like the, like the early console wars like the there wasn't parity between the various ports and so that definitely played into how people sort of built up um their respective ideas about like what the best mortal Kombat is. Um they were obviously very different in terms of like um graphical quality some fatalities were removed from i think certain fatalities were removed from the snes version that were present on the genesis um and that sort of like irregularity just only added to that initial wave of like oh mortal Kombat isn't just this neat and tidy clean thing that came out in a uniform kind of way it's kind of grungy and sort of like rough around the edges that energy i think i want to talk about the movie a little bit um because like to your point like it you know drops in 1995 like i said earlier that's the same year that the power rangers movie drops um budget of $18 million and makes an insane amount of money for the time, um, for not just, not just for a movie, but for a comic book movie at a time yeah. when we did uh, not have video game movie, like, video game movie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so stuck in it now, but a video game movie, right? Um, in an era where we did not really have a pejorative, just like, <laughs> we didn't have that, it, like that, that immediate,
0: uh, reflexive, like cringe to the phrase video game movie um this was very much i had to look up right now what did the mario brothers movie cost and what did it make back (laughs) okay you you don't you don't i'll tell you this right now it did not make back its budget. <laughs> no, that's, and it's so like, so right, like it's, they're not new to,
1: you know, they're not new to Hollywood, but they're definitely not something that the industry is cranking out at a clip with the expectation that they're going to be, you know, huge successes. Um, but going back and watching the 1995 movie, I can totally see what it is that people appreciated about it um, at the time. You know, the minority of fans who express how much they loved it. Um, it does, fe- it, it, how to put you can tell that it's a, it's a film on a budget, right? Yes. Um, obviously, Anderson has gone on to be the king of video game movies. Um, a lot of people will know him from the Resident Evil movies where he and, you know, his wife Miljovic have really just carved out an entirely new chunk of that lore for the movies. Yeah. Um, and he's also the director of the most recent Oh, he did Monster Hunter. Exactly, he did Monster Hunter. So, like, this is, you know, this is, you know, he's very much been working in a space for decades, and this was his first foray into it. And I think, as is generally the case with filmmakers who have a vision and latch on to something that studios don't necessarily think will work the way that he approached this first film you know with minimal budget was like let's go balls to the wall and try to get as much of the essence and the energy of this franchise and not necessarily just the specific story elements that really is what led to the film feeling like such a breath of fresh air um it has a lot of elements plot wise for mortal kombat 2 and characters that are you know that don't initially pop up in the first um, video game um but what the movie really does focus on um with this wild story where god you no know, uh, there is a the, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to recall the plot just off the top the of my El- head the
0: the, the 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 there there's a bunch of realms and to make the realms, there are a bunch
1: of realms and there have been multiple mortal combats right Right. they're up to their 10th and on the completion of the 10th i think
0: the leader of the villainous other i got the lore here dude i got the lore here it's hit me hit me with it it's that it's that yeah so the the elder gods have divided up the realms and then they have protectors of the realms and Mm -hmm. and then the some of the some of the protectors of the realms started invading other realms like shao khan was invading and that kind of thing sure 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 and in order to stop them from just taking over all the realms, they then created this rule where they have to do these Mortal Kombat tournaments. And 10 consecutive tournament wins then means uh-huh, that, uh-huh. that 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 conqueror gets to take that realm. And okay, so, so Shang Tsung is sent to continue to do these Mortal Kombats with Earth. Mm-hmm. And they've done nine in a row. And then the movie takes place in the 10th. Right. So um, that's enough of that. I feel like that's all you really need to know. (laughs) That's it. There's so much more unnecessary. Because what the movie,
1: the movie does like put all of that into its, you know, it does introduce all of that sort of as just narrative setting. But what it also does is it focuses on a very small handful of characters who are all like fan favorites and tries to do its best to give them their best cinematic depictions, as was possible with the budget and the talent on hand. And I think that people responded in time, in particular, once the movie really became sort of a cult classic, they really appreciated the fact that it wasn't trying to shy away from the fact that it was a video game movie um, or trying to deviate all that far from the source material, which is, I think, one of the things that really damned the Super Mario Brothers movie. It's imaginative and interesting, but it's nothing like, you know, the Mario
0: games. It's, um, it's it, not a faithful know, adaptation to like the slightest. In the least,
1: sense. Whereas as ridiculous as listening to you, <laughs> listening to you describe that Mortal Kombat lore, my eyes glazed over it. But at the same time, it's like, no, 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 like that's all there. Um, And that sort of I feel like that sort of acted as a representation of goodwill on the filmmaker's part. Like, hey, we've invited you into the theater to see this Mortal Kombat story. It's not a trick. It truly is just a Mortal Kombat story in all of its ridiculousness. You will see a man manifest a snake out of his hand. You're going to see people fight with fans. It's going to be I mean, is it going to look great? By the 90s standards, yes, yes, it will. And, you know, while people were a little tepid, you know, while critics were critically um, tepid towards the film initially, um, what's gone on is people have seen subsequent um, video game movies and seen, um, well, like the follow-up, like Annihilation that dropped a couple of years later. Um, they've seen how when you, when studios approach these franchises with the express intention of, uh, how to put Almost like priming the pump to only service fans, that doesn't work, right? When you don't throw any money at it, that doesn't work. It's that middle ground where you're really sort of trying to do something a bit innovative and imaginative that doesn't exist in the space. That's what people have responded to. Um, I, I watching the. It was so wild watching Annihilation um, because it was just. Uh, it's, it's like, no, it's the same. You know, it's picking because the way that the first movie ends. Um, the heroes win, but then it's like next round because, it's you know, Mortal Kombat, when you play the game, you really are just fighting your way up a tower to fight people. And so that's that's it makes sense that this um, that this franchise would have endless continuous potential. But you can feel at the, you can feel all of the money that was poured into this. And as that money, as that money was poured into the movie, you can feel all the energy really drain out of it. Um, so much CGI, um, new characters Right? they're like, oh, we've got Sindel now and she's going to scream. And it's like, what? But why? Why is she screaming? Like, do we? What's not, not to be not to,
0: not, not to be that cliche, but it's like, what's, no, 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 let's get philosophical about Sindel. Why is she screaming? But like, <laughs> like, what is Sindel's
1: motivation exactly? Because as convoluted and ridiculous as Mortal Kombat's lore is, it is so dense that you can just pick and choose from a couple of chunks of it and really build out a whole story. And what the second film really fell victim to was that that instinct to put too much in, too much in, you know, in pursuit of trying to be like the source material. When you know these things are always at their strongest when they're being themselves and being unique.
0: Yeah, I don't really know if necessarily there are there are all the lessons that you could learn from why Mortal Kombat the video game has done well are lessons that you then can apply to like this current like reboot that we're dealing with mm, that could help. Mm-hmm. But I think there is like if, if you really are gonna make a Mortal Kombat movie and and, and release it in twenty twenty one, um, you know, you I think you do need to uh tap into the reason why the kids back in the nineties liked it and why there's a chance that kids in the you know in twenty twenty one might like it. And so like it seems like from the trailer that there's there's a few things that they're catching on to. Like they're like it's the new movie it looks like it's gonna be hyper violent. You know,
1: mm, so that's actually that's it's funny we, that did not I, I, I regret not bringing it up, you know, the 90s movies were pretty PG-13 and it's interesting yeah. that even though the first one was PG-13, it still ultimately ended up getting a better response in the end and. I think that's always, the, that's always the debate with harder content. It's like, yeah. well, do we try to go for PG-13 and try to bank on getting a broader audience or do we go for authenticity or to the source material by going for that hard R? I guess in the 90s, people, studios were just more inclined to think of anything based on a video game as just by default being for
0: children. And so it
1: there was, had to be. There was a f-
0: yeah, there was a fear of what the rated R you know, movies had turned into around that time where really? rated R movies. Yeah. Rated R, when, when rated R really became what it was at the time where it was like, okay, this is the movie where there could be sex and boobies and there could be some hyper violence, and there could be swear words that are not allowed in other movies. And so that turned into a a category that limited your audience into there's no way you're going to get a youthful audience to come in because they can't get into the R movies as easy. That was like, a thing that happened back in the day and since then that rule has been broken and disproven several times a very mm. notable one was deadpool deadpool was that rated r comic book superhero movie that mm. broke financial records and uh and was you know critically acclaimed and everything like that and so it started like that was one of those movies that really got people thinking like oh you can do a rated r movie and you can and the kids will come because our culture has changed mm. um and so, I get it in the 90s, if you want to get a lot of that, that, <laughs> I was about to say, you want to get a lot of that kid money. No, if you want to get a lot of, uh, you know, that, that younger demographic uh, money for, you know, that your parents can bring their kids to see this, then you had to make a PG-13, which then, of course, made it so, like, you know, there's very little blood in the movie. Um, there's not a lot of, like, crazy, violent ends to people. Um, even, like, um, Shang Tsung, like, he falls on the spikes at the end. But you don't see it, right? It looks very comfortable, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're like, oh, I, feel like this should be, I feel like this should be really excruciating, but I guess we're just going to gloss over it.
0: But they, but they even with the, the violent like, restrictions they did in the original movie, they still, like, I agree. They did a pretty good job of creating some pretty good fight sequences, particularly that, that last fight between Liu Kang and Shang Tsung is between two very talented uh, uh, actors and uh, stunt fighters and everything like that. And so it turns into a pretty good, like, you know, climactic uh, final fight um but with the new movie you know we live in a world where radar isn't a death sentence for your stuff especially uh when we live in like a streaming world uh and so i i think there's that that it was a like it's definitely a good call to go with that hyper violence and and i'm i i actually did like some research like why do we like i wanted to know why we love why we enjoy the entertainment of violent movies like why does a movie like john wick do so well when it's so and what and please explain it to me what What did you learn first there's no way that i figured it out and that this is the only reason why so full caveat this is just like my research because i'm trying to figure out why because like i'm not someone who is going to you know go out and and you know take a sword and chop a dude's hand off like i'm just not mm. not that kind of a person mm. but when keanu reeves does it i go yeah bitch, that was cool like you know huh. so so where where is that connection in my brain of why i enjoy that and the most i could find is like there actually is like this theory of like a catharsis we get by watching fictional violence because Mm -hmm. we are you know inundated constantly in our lives by things that make us upset by scary things, by things that even can make us feel like we want to you know, be violent. But thankfully, a lot of our public, um, not all of them, but a lot of our public stops themselves from being violent on a constant day-to-day basis. You know, it's, it's not... Uh, uh, what's the, the movie where everybody gets a day where they get to go out and the do... Purge? Purge. <laughs> okay. It's not like a daily episode of The Purge here in our world, thankfully. Um, but when we get to watch... Hyper violence and we get to watch vi- fictional violence in cinema and and even in our video games there's catharsis of like that that release like when we played Mortal Kombat the video game and, and we you know managed to not only win the fight but also execute the difficult gun com- not gun com- the the button combination for mm-hmm. a fatality there was like we we got like little validation in our and, and release in our brains and we get that same when we watch it on screen again, Hmm. I'm not an expert, and there's probably other reasons why we like that, but that made some sense to me.
1: I'm sure that is one prevailing theory. Um, Sure. I can just say that I get none of that out of playing fighting games. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 I will admit to, I'm not a particularly, I'm not squeamish, but it's like, why do you have to rip that man's spine out? Like, it doesn't do it for me. But in thinking about like what it is that leads to, what has led to Mortal Kombat's Lasting popularity. You mentioned earlier how you know there was this point in time where Mortal Kombat was like an illicit game. Ooh, don't let your parent, you know, not let your parents catch you playing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in the same way that our tastes regarding movies has shifted over time, the way that we feel about video games has also changed. You know, the conversation about whether violence in video games leads to violence in real life is ongoing and constantly being debated. And we have come to, depending on who you talk to, a certain you know consensus. No, video games do not make you violent. Right. Um and we live in an era now where the way that people experience games has changed drastically, right? Um when Mortal Kombat first dropped onto the scene, um it was very much a public shared experience of playing a game in the you know in the arcade. Um and what was really fast what's been really fascinating um about the franchise, the gaming franchise specifically is even in coming home over the years, particularly as the esports scene has developed, right, that same sort of communal aspect of the Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat experience has continued and shifted and evolved um, with technology in a way that I think can't be understated. Right, you can look at the 1997 uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation and be like, "Ooh, Jesus! Like, if they lost money like that, why would they ever come back to this?" Um, but Aside from that movie's not being a success, you do have to look at the continued popularity of the game franchise, right? As an outsider, I have always thought, oh, like it's just another Mortal Kombat game and it's got those two ladies who are supposed to be sisters, but one's got a weird mouth and one likes the color blue instead of purple, right? Like that to me, like I think that essentially that is very much a part of the Mortal Kombat thing. But I don't think aside from the hardcore fans who are like, yo, I want to see that alternate Raiden costume. What they're really getting into is... Obviously, falling back into the old habit of playing the game, you know, having that sense memory really work towards your advantage at being immediately good at it. But it's like I I, they are tapping into that same experience of being at the arcade. The studios understand that esports are a thing. Right. And we live in an era now where. Even though video game movies still, by and large, tend not to be as good. Um, we're coming off of a couple of okay ones, right? We talked earlier before how even the World of Warcraft was a huge flop here. It was humongous in China, right? Yeah. Um, uh, it's also he, like he, half
0: I, of a good movie if you watch it.
1: <laughs> I, I, the orc I, side. I, the orc I, side's a good movie. The human <laughs> side, just delete it. Um, in that same way, Detective Pikachu is also known. People, people forget that Detective Pikachu is a video game movie, and the game is not just Pokemon proper. It is Detective Pikachu. And yeah. that, I think, is part of the reason that the movie ended up being the, the success that it was. People didn't realize that they could just read Wikipedia and be spoiled. Um, my point <laughs> being, though, is that the, stu- the studios still understand that there is potential value in these kinds of IP. And with the sustained growth of um, competitive gaming, where games like Mortal Kombat... Um, are a part of like the conversation with things that bring people together to compete that has to sort of factor into whether or not there's continued interest in making these movies. And I think that like, obviously part of what doomed the nineties movies was that they just came back like they came out too close together. Right. Um, Two years is not really, I mean, it can be enough to, you know, for audiences to really work up an appetite for more. But I think that in an alternate universe where Mortal Kombat Annihilation had come out, you know, in 2000, you know, and sort of like played off of all the wildness of the millennium, there's a chance that the public could have responded entirely different to it. And I think that it's really smart that Warner Brothers is making the decision to go all out budget-wise and go for the gore and the spectacle and all of the fatalities because it's like, all right, we are if, 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 if I guess the the studio is asking audiences to believe that we are in a new era of video game movies where they're good actually. And it's like, haha, like, do you trust us? Come on in. And the question now is whether or not that ask is something that people can trust, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, it's definitely, you talked about like detective Pikachu and, and how successful that was. And uh, you, you can't, you know, miss how successful Sonic was as well um we won't even get into my opinions about that movie but uh it was successful and uh and it, uh, those are two movies that were clearly you know they're video game movies but they sold to the younger demographic that was those were movies that parents could safely and i say this from a parent's perspective of like safely take your kid to a movie and know that at no point was someone going to decapitate pikachu in the movie um and so that that opens up again to a a very large market of money for you to become successful on top of like making a at the you know at minimum a passably good movie um the detective Pikachu i thought was a genuinely enjoyable and good movie um mortal Kombat is kind of bouncing off of that of like this like you said an era of possible good video game movies you almost got Mm -hmm. me to say comic book movie and you've, you've, you've you've soiled the brain aren't um, they the same no they're not they're <laughs> <very different>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh they're definitely like relying heavily on the 90 kids remember element as well as the current kids are watching it on Twitch element mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. because Nobody's gonna take I'm not taking my seven year old to see, you know, uh Sub Zero turn a guy's blood into a knife that you then stab back into him. I can't. Really? I can't I'd are be a you, bad uh, parent. But
1: like but what if but what if they were like, come on, for for art, for heart's sake.
0: <laughs> I tried to uh show my kids uh like maybe a year or so ago. I was like, let's 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 watch Fellowship of the Ring. Like that's a fun okay. fantasy movie. But I forgot that also like those movies are actually pretty violent. Um are they? Huh. Uh, what's his name? Uh the director uh, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. He loves his violence, and he got away with as much as he could with like that PG thirteen rating that was sta- that was stamped oh, on.
1: Oh, they they stab a couple of spiders. It's fine.
0: Well, there's a particular moment where they're in the mines and they get trapped in that room, and the orcs are about to come. Like the goblins, or orcs <laughs> are about to like get them all overrun, and then a troll comes in. And uh-huh. I've I've watched the movies enough, or you know, like I've got pretty good muscle memory of what's about to happen, and I remembered about about. 30 seconds before this is going to happen, where I was like, oh, Aragorn's about to chop a a goblin's head off, and I remember there's, like, blood spout. Like, they don't cut away. He just literally takes a head off, and blood goes out. Um, hmm. And I was like, um, let's see how this is going to work out. And I watched my two kids, and my eldest, who was probably, like, eight at the time, she, you know, she did, like, a, a, a typical child recoil, where she's like, ah, and she, like, pulled her blanket up and everything like that. My little, like, she must've been like six. This is, I'm such a bad parent, but she's, <laughs> she, she sees that happen and she turns to me and just has this, like, she just a smile and like laugh in her face where she's like, huh. that was awesome. And I'm yeah. like, okay, we're, we're not doing this again, but, uh, but I'm glad that you didn't, uh, completely get scarred from that and like, you know, run to your room, scared of it. Um, I mean, to bring the conversation back to mortal combat, I,
1: the thing that I appreciate about that. And I think it's something that we should always keep in mind in these conversations. Like, Oh, look, like, is it appropriate for like, I The the danger in things like Mortal Kombat, I think, is less in the content of the games or the movies themselves, but more in the fuss we make about them, right? If you make the thing out to be the monster, the thing that's going to be dangerous, not only is it going to draw more people to it, but those people, you know, those young people in particular who are prone to being you know freaked out by things like this those kids who probably wouldn't have ever been drawn to it had people not been talking about it they are the ones who get freaked out you know and then it becomes an overblown like well my child was traumatized and it's like well oh no yeah and i I don't think
0: that they're like traumatized it's mostly from my perspective i'm like i don't want to deal with like nightmares uh nightmares are just like little you know when kids like have to it's it's like you have to like deal with that and help them through and everything like that and the more you can avoid that and not make them have to you know be dealing with nightmares at night is what i try to avoid (laughs) my kids actually uh i was watching the end of the snyder cut and uh they came and joined me near the end of it and they were having fun watching like them all like beat the shit out of steppenwolf and everything like that and then uh, they finish the fight and Superman sends him through the portal and Wonder Woman does that leap in the air with the sword. And I was like, oh, that's about to come. So I quickly did the whole dad like hand over their eyes thing while she took his head off just because oh, I didn't want to deal with that great. right now.
1: You Come on, you're ruining the message of the movie. That little girls <laughs> can grow up to be whatever they want to be, including warrior princesses who chop off people's heads. <laughs> uh,
0: but Mortal Kombat, like, I, I, I think it, it clearly being more for lack of a better term adult um because of how the market has changed as far as what audience goes and sees what i don't think that's that's probably going to affect it a ton i think it's really going to come down to like is the movie does it have a decent enough plot is is it cohesive together is it paced fine because it looks production value wise beautiful like it's very pretty it looks like they're really putting the money into the 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 design and even the fights of the whole thing so as long as they don't veer off the tracks of like total absurdness and a a story you can't even follow they could be coming off of this trend of good video game movies so clearly there's a lot of reasons why mortal kombat has stayed around as long as it is and i i actually think it's it's a continually interesting continually interesting conversation to have about why this kind of like a particular fran- particular franchise has such longevity and is giving a chance to be given you know a major budget to have a reboot opportunity um but i, I you know i, w- I want to kind of like maybe play around in our headcanon space and talk maybe about a little about a Mortal combat cannons. that sound good yeah please so mortal Kombat has like a real giant roster of characters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I wonder if there's any character particularly from Mortal Kombat that you connected with enough at any point in its career where you actually was able to create like a head canon of what you thought about this character or like is is there somebody that you really had a read on that you enjoyed? Um absolutely not. Like, I got <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> to be I mean no, to be perfectly honest with you like I don't the thing about Mortal Kombat that has always sort of like Kept me from being able to latch fully onto it is this really aggressive, like mashup of Eastern and Western cultures that is uniquely American. You know what I mean? It's like this is Sonya Blade and she's an American and she's fighting. I'm sorry, a magic ninja who's on <laughs> ice It's like okay, I don't this. I don't know what this world you all exist in is exactly.
0: It's kind of interesting though to watch the the movie doing it itself a little bit in that like even with a character like Scorpion from what I've been able to gather from the material that's been put out thus far, like, they're going into, like, a little bit of, like, the origins of Scorpion that are different from the lore of the video game, and he's, like, he's, like, a farmer who gets, like, attacked <laughs> on his farm, and that's where, like, the origin of his knife that comes out of his hand is actually originated in a farming tool. Uh, That's not hmm. a joke. That's actually, like, part of the, the the lore, and so they're going hard on that, and he's, like there's scenes in the trailer that you see scorpion not in his like yellow uh you know thematic ninja costume he's like farmer scorpion fighting people on his farm so like they're messing with that a little bit
1: yeah i mean to be honest with you like if i had my druthers i've brought up you know i've brought up melina and sindel and katana before and i like just to be Fully transparent about it. Like the gay in me latches on to the outlandish female characters. It's like, oh, she fights with her hair and she screams. What's that about? I in all like just in researching this, you see how as much as there is like deep lore about some of these characters, none of the adaptations uh, has really refocused on them all that much in depth. Um, And I think that boils down to the fact that they are women and female characters like rarely if ever get the same amount of screen time in these kind of adaptations as their male counterparts. I want that. Like, I really do want like the Game of Thrones drama that went down with Queen Sindel's life before all the Mortal Kombats, you know, happened because it's sort of how to put it, it it's always this like far off in the past event that makes me really wonder, like, well <laughs> how to put it, I, I I wanna know like what a what a millennia's old um, queen who is dead sometimes and being resurrected. It's all very messy. I want to know like what her life was like in her prime so that I have better context to understand why she's fighting like movie stars in the present,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I would like that as well. Uh, I, th- I think there's also like potential to really lean into like Shang Sun's, uh, very m- multi sold, uh, gathered kind of a uh, character and don't, don't lean on him being this like him having like a default kind of look but giving him much more of an amorphous constantly changing very mystique kind of a personality more so um and 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 let him be that kind of actually let let don't like don't let him even have to be a he let him be a, a, a a them of like whatever he wants to be and 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 keep that ball rolling constantly I don't know. That's a, th- that's a thought about I have for Shang Tsung that will not be used at all. <laughs>
1: all right. Well, that brings this
0: episode of The Real Canon to a close. If you
1: liked what you heard, and we know you did, why not tell a friend about the show? Word of mouth's played a huge role in helping the show grow,
0: and we want to keep that going. And if this episode was your first time checking us out, give us a follow. We have episodes about WandaVision, Pokemon, Star Wars, Godzilla. We got plenty more planned ahead. Plenty more for you to like. That's right. So get ready, get hyped,
1: and we'll be back next week with more of The Real Canon.